welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Welcome to DevCast, Devil Smith's audio series, which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with property professionals across the industry. I'm Ryan Doyle, a senior consultant at Devil Smith's agency desk, and today I'll be joined by one of Knight Frank's longest-serving regional partners in Mr. Christopher Jew. Christopher has spent a combined 22 years at Knight Frank and is an integral part of their success across the country divisions, both in England and Scotland. A true property professional with a an overall great guy and someone I've had the real pleasure of working with and being educated by in recent times. Christopher, welcome. How are you? Uh, extremely well, thank you very much. I'm uh, looking out at a beautiful view of uh, a summer's day in England across lovely rolling fields. So I'm very happy. Thank you very much. Good, good. Um, yeah, as I said to you on the phone earlier, I, I normally start this with a bit of chit chat um, around how your week's gone, but I fear that it will lead to the devastation of the football. So, uh, we, we won't go there. Good point. Good <laughs> so idea. We'll, we'll get straight into it. Um, I'm interested in learning a little bit about your early life and your early career. Um, also, of course, talking about the great night, Frank, and you know, the market. And then we'll end on a, on a couple of quick fire questions just for a bit of fun. But um, if you can just talk to us, Christopher, about your early stages in your, in your career, how you led to a state agency. But I, I understand you, you started life in the auctioneer world, right? Yeah, I sort of fell into a state agency by accident, really. Um, I'm a farmer's son from Devon originally and uh, sort of uh, went to agriculture college to uh, learn how to farm and sort of then go home and run the family farm. But uh, during the way the course was set up, we had a sandwich year where you had spent a year in industry and ended up working for a, a company called Kivels um, in Devon, who are just a sort of a, a farm agents and auctioneers and absolutely loved um, the other side of the farming uh, world. So rather than sitting on a tractor all day, uh, you know, mowing grass or, you know, uh, sitting on a combine, I, I got to see the other side of it. So actually, I decided when I came out of uh, college to actually go down the route of actually being more on the farm agency side and consultancy side. So looking after farms, going and visiting farms, helping them to strategize and come up with new ideas to diversify. And it was a really exciting time. And it sort of, uh, I, it took me to a number of places and I ended up working for a really nice firm called Druitt Neat in Wiltshire that were sort of a local uh, agricultural sort of consultants, but also had an estate agency arm as well and ended up um, selling houses occasionally with farms and suddenly realized that ha selling houses was even more fun. So, mm. and, uh, so ended up in a pretty little market town called Marlborough and uh, was selling houses on a regular basis and occasionally did the odd joint agency with Knight Frank who was selling the amazing manor house or the farm or the amazing rectory. Ended up doing a few joint agencies with them and um, very luckily got asked to join Knight Frank and Sirencester in the late nineties and um, the rest is history really. Great. I mean, look, I've been doing a bit of work with Knight Frank and, and other agencies around the Oxfordshire area. It's, it's, it's a lovely part of the world. Was it was it kind of your, your, your dream to always work for Knight Frank being, you know, the prestigious brand that they are? Or again, did, did that kind of happen through relationship building in the local area? 
Yeah, probably more from relationship building. I mean, I think having been an estate agent, there's a certain, you know, Drew and Neat were very much that sort of local agent that were selling all the pretty cottages in the pretty villages in Wiltshire and Berkshire and Oxfordshire. Um, but, you know, suddenly you realise that actually we weren't selling the nice big uh, grand houses like the, the manors or the rectories in the villages. So you suddenly aspire and think, gosh, I'd love to sell those one day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was always, and then you could see Knight Frank that were selling them. And I thought, gosh, you know, it'd be amazing to start, you know, working for a firm like that and selling you know, meeting amazing people and lovely people and selling beautiful houses, uh, which is the dream. To drive down a driveway and suddenly suddenly see the most beautiful house is quite a heart sort of stopping moment. Mm. And that's the passion we have. And then in- introducing people to that lovely home and finding out about the history of it and the people who have lived there in the past and the new people that are going to move into it is the really exciting part of the job, actually. So the, you joined as a, as a partner or an associate or...? Uh, no, I came in as a, an, a, a senior negotiator, actually, because uh, I, uh, I think sometimes when you've been working for a, a local agent, the way the Knight Frank system works is that you tend to cut, you tend to be slightly of a higher standing with a, a local high street agent than you tend to do when you come into a firm like Knight Frank. So I, I was I was already running an office for Druitt Neat in Marlborough in Wiltshire mm-hmm. at the time. And I came in as a senior negotiator, got made up to an associate very quickly. Um, and then after about three years, got made a partner in the Sirencester office. And then actually, purely by chance, uh, the chap who was running the Oxford office in the early 2000s decided to uh, take early retirement. And um, uh, Patrick uh, Ramsey, who was the senior partner for the residential division at that time, very kindly rang me up and said, look, um, we'd like you to come and run the Oxford office for us. So again, just in the right place at the right time and very lucky. It is interesting because I think we had um, we had Andy Grucock come down, who was obviously uh, head of court for London uh, for Night Frank, and he came down and did a bar stall at our offices in Devil Smith recently, and he was explaining that he also joined Night Frank and took a huge step back in terms of job title just to be part of the brand and because he knew and recognised where it would lead to long term, and obviously it's worked out very well for him, but. I think you've got to have a certain mindset, haven't you? Because there's a lot of people that would say, well, I'm, I'm a manager at the moment. Why would I step back to a, to a negotiator role? Yeah, hugely. And actually, that's probably one of my biggest things that I have to sort of sell to somebody and say, look, you know, you may be joining an office where you're going to, you know, you've been the number one in your office and you've run a team and you're now going to be joining an office where you might be the number two or even the number three. Mm. And it's trying to explain to them, actually, the way Knight Frank works, is we don't open lots of offices in lots of little market towns or in lots of little villages. But what we tend to do, we tend to have lots of different departments in an office. So the extra office is a classic case in point. We've got four partners in that office. But those four partners look after four very different parts of the market. We've got one partner that looks after the city market. We've got one partner that looks after all the waterfront market. And then we've got two more partners that look after sort of, you know, rural North Devon. And then we've got another partner that looks after sort of South Devon and a bit of Cornwall. So you, you end up being in charge of, you end up having your own office within within these big offices. And that's how we grow the business. And so actually the exciting thing is that, you know, you still are running your own business within a within a within a large office so it works extremely well and it's great fun and it's also just it's nice to be able to bounce stuff off each other and your career path grows along the time at the same time as well so good good um christopher look any anybody that takes a look at your linkedin profile will will notice a very short stint uh in the grand scheme of your career at savile um <laughs> it's kind of sandwiched by two very long stints at, at kf so you know what? What was what was behind that move, and maybe why why didn't it work out long term? 
Uh, oh, that's a really interesting question. It's slightly complicated. I, 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 I had a, uh, we had a family tragedy. So um, I, I actually did take a, about a year out of um, being an estate agent just to go back and run the family farm for a short while. Um, and uh, so I, I left Mike Frank at the height of the markets of 2006, 2007. And, you know, I, I, it was difficult to take a whole year off. So I said to the firm, look, actually, I'm going to take a year off and, you know, I'll, I'll go back and run the family farm. After running the family farm for a year, I realized that I missed being an estate agent hugely. Um, unattractive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, and strange enough, and at that stage, I was living sort of in the sort of the uh, sort of in the Herefordshire sort of area. And um, uh, so, and I traveled to spend years trying to get me to go and work with them, you know, coming along with amazing offers to do here, there and everywhere. So when I came back out of the farm, I decided actually that I might, you know, and, and they were looking for somebody to run their Cheltenham office. And so uh, I, I stuck my hand, I approached Savills and said, look, actually, I'm thinking about coming back to an agency. They grabbed me with both arms, which was very kind of them, just at about that 2008, 2009, when the market was going pear-shaped, mm -hmm. uh, which was quite exciting, um, and joined them for a few years. And then, uh, bizarrely enough, um, uh, Andrew Hay, who was the head of Knight Frank, a few years later, rang me up and said, look, actually, chap, you know, I don't know why you're working for Savills, we want you back. Um, so uh, I, um, I I accepted an offer to come back at Mike Frank and, and at that stage to head up to head up what we call the um, the core market, which is sort of trying to grow that market in that sort of 750 to one and a half million pound bracket. And so that's that that's what I've been doing since I've been back for the last uh, 10 years. Amazing. And you know, if you look back at your long 22 stint, uh, you know, combined 22 stint uh, year stint with Mike Frank. Have, have, the, have the dreams been aligned with, with the reality? You know, sat here today, regional partner, head of department. You know, it, are you where you wanted to be all those years ago? Strange enough, in your career, you don't, you don't think that far ahead, to be quite honest. You enjoy your job on a daily basis. And again, I've been just very lucky, been in the right place at the right time, had amazing people to work with as well. But yes, I think you don't you don't think that far ahead. You sort of you enjoy the job that you do. Then suddenly somebody comes along and says, oh, look, would you would you be interested in doing this or would you be interested in doing that? And I think that's the, the great thing about working for a large firm like Knight Frank is we are a huge global firm, but we're, we're much smaller than you probably think. I mean, everybody knows each other. It's a very friendly firm. It's a very collaborative firm. So we actually like talking to each other and we like new ideas. And the lovely thing about us being not a public company, but being a partnership is that we can turn quite quickly. We're not like an oil tanker that says, right, let's turn right. And, you know, two years later, we start turning right. You know, we can make quite quick decisions. So we're quite fleet of foot. So actually, when we see a market change or opportunity arise, we can, we, can, we, can, we can jump at it straight away and we can grab somebody in the business to help do that. So again, that's, that's, that's the exciting thing that your career sort of chops and changes for the right reasons without you really planning it sometimes. I mean, if you asked me two years ago if I was going to be sort of the regional partner for Scotland, which I'm currently just being given, I would have said, no way, um, you know, there's no way that's gonna happen. And then suddenly got approached a year ago to do it. So it's, 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 it's very exciting working for a firm like this. How, how do you find that cover, covering Scotland when, when, when you quite clearly live nowhere near it? <laughs> uh, I yeah, that's that's probably that's the biggest joke, and the, probably the Scottish team would probably laugh at me for that uh, pure reason as well. Uh, I think sometimes it's quite nice to be sort of outside looking in, mm. and you know, and I've I've run a lot of offices over the years. You know, I've worked in I've worked in numerous places as well. Uh, so actually, I've I've sort of it's quite nice when you've done it. You sort of 
you're not telling somebody how to do something. You're saying, look, we used to do this years ago, or we've done it this way, and it's worked really well for us. And I think when you're trying to work with people and change direction, it's not saying you must do it this way. It's saying, had you thought about doing it this way? How about doing it that way? And because I already work with um, the 26 officers across the UK and the countryside outside of London, I'm already traveling around a great deal. I mean, the biggest joke is that probably I spend more time in my car than I do with my wife or my or my office. Um, but it's 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 just a really fun thing to do. And you're you're grabbing ideas from different offices. If something we're doing in Exeter will take to Seven Oaks, and then Seven Oaks will tell me something that will be great to take to Bristol, and then Bristol I can take it up to Edinburgh and I can give it to Harrogate. So it's about feeding ideas and you know and and letting new stuff and 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 part and rolling that out to the officers. Um, and coming up with lots of new ideas and new ways of winning business, getting in business and growing the brand and growing Night Frank, really, and growing your career. It's very, it's, I'm very lucky. It, it, listen, it, help, it helps me uh, with you being in the car for hours, I mean, because it, it allows me to get a hold of you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually, that's a nice thing for the teams. You know, the lovely thing is that because I've done done this job right from the ground up, you know, I can speak to, you know, Tim Hyatt, the senior partner, can ring me in the car and ask me something. But so can, you know, uh, you know, Katrina in the extra office, who's sort of just front of house reception, can ring me and ask me something as well. And she knows and she's not frightened to do that. Mm. Or, you know, so that that's the lovely thing about the business is that you know it, everybody's very happy to talk to each other and we all know each other very well. And we're not there isn't this sort of hierarchy um, way where it used to be. I remember the very when I used to work for Drew at Neat, the senior partner. Uh, used to come and visit me at the office in Marlborough and he used to ring half an hour before he came to the office and he said right Christopher when I get to the office who sits on the left who sits on the right who sits behind them who's so when he came in he would say hello Ryan hello Katrina hello and I would be the last person he would say hello to and I learned that when I was a youngster and thought it's so important you know don't walk in saying make me a cup of tea and walk to the back of the office and speak to the head honcho so, yeah I like that I like that um, moving on to the market, Christopher, because obviously you, you would have seen, you know, uh, a very buoyant time recently in terms of, you know, we had this big transition of people moving away from London to the country. Are, are we still seeing that? Where, where, is, where is the market at the moment in your eyes um, in the country? It, a year ago, it was it was escape to the country. Basically, it was that need for space. They wanted to see green fields. They wanted to uh, be able to sort of you know feel safe. I think as well from that point of view. So there was there was a massive um, surge for us in the country business for people wanting green fields, open spaces, and living a quite a rural lifestyle. And actually, the other thing that did happen as well is we found that a lot of our offices are based in towns and cities, so Winchester, Cheltenham. Oxford, places like that. So actually, what we found is that there was quite a surge out of London, but not everybody wanted to live in rural England. Some wanted to live in a in a town or a market village or somewhere where they could still see the countryside, but still live in a community. So you know, it's quite interesting. You know, quite a few quite a few of the towns and cities that we sell houses in. You know, within five minutes you can be walking in open fields with your dog or your kids, but then you can walk back in again and you can still go and get your latte at Cafe Nero or whatever. So that's been the interesting thing that's changed. That actually it's gone from complete rural middle and the middle of nowhere to slightly now that little middle ground of saying like actually I'll come and live in a in a sort of a, a town or a city that's based in the UK that I can still have that sort of London lifestyle but still have the countryside on my doorstep it's the countryside on the doorstep thing or the space on the doorstep as people want really 
And and do you see do you see that changing in the next twelve months? I mean, if I was to say to you, which, which main factors do you believe will shape the market over the, over the next sort of twelve months? What what would you highlight? Uh, I think I think it's going to be it's people upsizing and downsizing. I think you know a, a lot of people who a lot of people who's probably have lived in their house for 20, 25 years, which is very much a typical thing. You know, you, your kids grow up with you and then they leave home, they go to university and then they go and get their own lives. And I think with the pandemic, those people would have probably thought, right, we better downsize now because we don't need all the bedrooms. We don't need to look after the garden. It's quite an expensive house to run. Those are the people that during the pandemic probably decided to stay at their house another couple of years because the family slightly came back. But I think now with everything now opening up again, I think what we'll find now is that those people, that sort of, you know, those 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds that are probably living in a five-bedroom farmhouse with 20 acres and loads of outbuildings are probably thinking, actually, we do want to downsize to a really pretty house in a local village or a little market town. So I think that 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 will be a, a market that will start to, 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 to get going again. And actually, that's ideal because actually that's what the next, the, most of our buyers at the moment, you know, are probably in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s moving out of a big city and wanting a bit of space to have kids and space and right. you know and, and and running around the countryside really interesting um a few questions for you so you know and i won't ask you the reverse of this question because it might annoy a few people internally but uh, which rural region of the uk is your favorite and why oh oh that's really horrid uh that's a <laughs> Look, nice i can ask the reverse if you like uh, okay, well, I'm going to be a bit naughty because I'm going to say home, and that's um, Devon, so oh. the, West, the West Country. Uh, you know, I'm a Devonian through and through, even though I don't live there at the moment. Uh, it, it's still in my blood. Uh, so, yeah, I'm afraid to say it would always be the West Country would be my favourite. Um, but it's strange. I've worked in numerous parts of the country. You know, if you go to the East Anglia and you go to Norfolk and, the, and you know, in the coast, you know, in Norfolk and Suffolk, is beautiful Albrough and uh, you know um, there's some really really nice places there so actually you know different parts of England gravitate to different parts of the coastal region it's amazing how the Midlands tend to gravitate to the East Anglia coast whereas you know the sort of the the, the, the sort of the central England and southern England sort of gravitate to Devon and Cornwall uh, and then if you're in Scotland you know you you gravitate to amazing beaches at Ely or somewhere like that so it just depends where you are really so but you know every i love actually i'm very lucky because i drive around the whole of the uk i love the whole of the uk really you you are you are lucky you do you do have a great role um what, what what's the best deal you, you've ever done what's the best deal i've ever done oh there's numerous sort of stories and deals and things like that probably the best one was that uh i um i showed somebody around a house in the morning and they exchanged contracts in the afternoon Wow. they wanted it so much so actually we uh, we did the viewing at 11 o'clock and then uh, their lawyer came down from london i was working in oxford at the time their lawyer came down from london and met with our lawyer in oxford and after lunch we sat down and we did what's called an, an attended exchange which is where the the buyer and the seller are in the same room with both of their lawyers you sit around a huge boardroom table and you just move bits of paper around um and agree everything and sign on the dotted line and we exchanged at tea time so yeah wouldn't that be nice if, if that could happen every day oh if every if every sale went through that smoothly it'd be lovely if we could if we could get house selling like buying and selling cars it would be brilliant but yeah, that, yeah. i don't think that's going to happen i'm afraid away from yourself christopher um who, who's who's the greatest agent you've ever seen or worked with and and, and why what made them so special oh who's it's probably somebody who's be who's very good with people uh, you know, our business is, 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 you know, we see and sell beautiful houses and we love architecture as agents, but the other side of our business is people. 
and we have to be able to read people and it's having it's being as i call it a chameleon it's being able to understand a type of person and slightly understanding what their needs and wants are so it's and it's slightly a, a lot of psychology involved as well as trying to read what they're really trying to say because you know some people don't always give away all their thoughts and minds and ideas and wants so it's 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 probably the people who are very good with people so i've met some amazing people in my in my career there was an amazing chap who died some years ago he used to work for school john ing and i remember meeting him when i was in my druid neat days actually but occasionally i used to pitch against him being a joint agent and he just was utterly charming and people just remembered him and just thought he was the most amazing person but also believed wholeheartedly that he was going to get them the very best price make the sale of the house painless as possible because as we know moving home is, is tough and hard work and uh, yeah he was just one of those amazing people that you know just and he was the life and soul of a party you went to he was just always mr amazing mr positive mr charming just an amazing person it tends to be the the you know the best in really any any industry where you've got to build and maintain a relationship for a longer period of time it tends to be that person that sticks in the memory right and it and it typically is someone that that is the is the likable individual someone that you can trust um yeah yeah, you know, I, I always say when I'm interviewing people, because actually we're a great believer in not just interviewing estate agents for estate agents jobs. And I think we love bringing people in from other careers as a business. And actually, if you're a people person, I can teach you to be an estate agent every day of the week because that's very much a process. But I can't teach people to have really good people skills. So when I interview people, I've got they've got to have those people skills. They've got to be easy to talk to, charming, attentive enthusiastic positive and i think if somebody's not quite like that then being doing our job would be quite tough if you're very methodical quite quiet quite sort of um uh sort of yes but that tends to be not the ideal for our job um, you need to be you know a very much a people person it's a people industry yeah yeah is there anything that you you wish you'd known sort of 10 20 years ago um looking back and thought I wish I had implemented that information sooner. Um, yeah, we all make mistakes, um, and we all we all we all learn by uh, uh, doing things. There's nothing really. I mean, I think every day you learn something new. I mean, it's just it's just hilarious what you hear. Some days I've just been selling a house for an accountant, and I didn't realise that actually the reason that Greg sells sausage rolls cold is that you don't put they don't have to pay VAT on it. So it makes the sausage roll cheaper. So you just you just learn something really mad every day that's quite interesting and exciting. But that's just the way it is. But no, I, I think it you look you 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 constantly learn. I think probably the biggest thing that I've always been is I've wanted to learn from somebody that's older than me and wiser than me. And actually, you know, sometimes I get accused of oh no, not accused, but actually they sometimes say, Oh, let's ask Christopher for, for some of his wisdom. But my wisdom's only come from somebody else that gave me wisdom. You know, there was a, an amazing senior partner at um, Drew at Neat called Roderick Whiteman, who's, who's still with us, actually, and does, still does a bit of agency. You know, he taught me so much. and I learned so much from him. So I've always learned from people, you know, be a sponge, you yeah. know, consume everything they tell you and then and then and then and then use it. Well, that was that was something that was probably going to fall into my next question. And, um, you know, I was going to say, what, what advice would you offer someone looking to progress through the ranks like you've done? Because. And, and, but interestingly, that, that is something I managed to learn, fortunately, uh, at a very, very young age to, to, to be a sponge and sort of to walk over to someone that's in a far senior position to you and sort of say, teach me. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And, um, 
But but it, you know, away from that, is there any sort of other advice? Because people look at Knight Frank, and if they're going to take a step back, you know, or or in their job title to be where they want to be long term, you know, how how do they go about that? What's what's the best bit of advice you could offer? Uh, the, the exciting thing about joining a firm like Knight Frank is that because we're not as big as probably some people think, you know, you, you can you can be spotted quite quickly. So we're a great believer in spotting uh, rising stars and those rising stars we look after. And actually, you know, and but we're great believers in, you know, people, you know, we want you to talk to us. You know, we, we go through an appraisal process like every single company does, but we probably a little bit more detailed about it. We do we, monthly appraisals with most of our staff. So we're constantly asking them what, what they want, where they want to go. And the ones that stick their hand up and you know kick the door down and say they want to do different things or they want to move to different places, um, then then we, we move heaven and earth for them. I mean, it's interesting. I've moved, I've moved members of staff who've not really wanted to move to other offices purely for reasons that because it's it's just been a good idea. So actually, the lovely thing is, would I've been you know we had a chap called Freddie in uh, London a few years ago, and he said I'm getting married, Christopher. I can't afford to live in London anymore. My wife's from Bristol. She wants to go home. Is there any opportunities in Bristol? And I said, well, actually, there isn't. But what I could do is I could move Ed down to the extra office, who actually his girlfriend's living down there. And he's now living with her and traveling up and down each day. So there are always means and ways of looking after people. And I think we've had a lot of occasions whereby somebody's wanted to do something different at night, Frank. And we've, if, we've, if, if we believe in them, we will move heaven and earth to help move them to it. You no, know, you know, the classic case is Bill Thompson, who runs our Italian network. You know, I know very well, and you know he's he's looked after loads of clients over the years. You know, he's always joking. He said, "Come on, Christopher, when you retire or when you're going to give up doing management, why don't you come out here and sell houses with us?" So it's uh, there's always opportunities out there to do things. So I think it's just you know seize opportunities that are there, but don't be frightened to tell people and ask. Yeah. If you don't if you don't tell us, we can't read your mind is a big thing that we probably say to a lot of youngsters. You know, yeah. talk to us, come up with some ideas. You know, we'll you know write a paper on it, do some number crunching. You know, we'll listen to you. It is yeah. funny that, you know, if I get a phone call uh, from, from a candidate and, and, you know, I sort of say, well, why are you looking to leave? Well, it's X, Y, Z. Okay, cool. Well, have you, have you discussed that and have you voiced that, those concerns to, to your hierarchy? And, you know, 75% of the time, the answer is no. And, you know, that's no. the first place you should turn, right? Um, because like you said, you don't, know what, you don't know what these candidates are thinking unless they approach you. Um, well, look, what, what we're going to do is we're going to try and finish yeah. off on some, uh, some just a couple quick fire questions that we like to ask, which is a bit of fun, uh, but it also requires a very quick response. Um, so the first one I've okay. got is <laughs> location, view, or square footage? Location. Fine. Um, Paris or New York? Paris. And if you could own any building in the world, what would it be and what would you do with it? Uh, if I could own any building in the world, oh, that's a really difficult question. Architectural wise or, or, actual, or actual building that's out there wise? Any, anything, anything that's currently been built. <sighs> I've, always, I've always dreamt of living in something ultra, ultra modern. So a sort of like a sort of one of those sort of grand design sort of glass and concrete uh, cubes. Mrs. Yeah. G would never allow me to ever move into anything like that at all, because uh, she likes traditional. But yeah, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to go and live in something architecturally um, inspiring and sort of you know 
just yeah something that's completely off the wall so like a concrete bunker with lots of glass in it would be very interesting fine nice new, get a new answer every time for that one <laughs> well look um christopher it's, it's been an absolute pleasure um we've, we've obviously had this in the diary for some time but it's it's, it's lived up to everything that i hoped it would and uh yeah I, I i thank you very much for your time and i'll let you get on with your day ryan you're a star thank you very much and um i look forward to speaking to you about all our new vacancies that are coming along soon wonderful thanks very much christopher all right cheerio okay thanks bye, bye. join the DS movement by visiting ds.devrelsmith.com and you will receive the latest Deadcast episode direct to your inbox.